So I'm not sure exactly what Howard was thinking, um, but he got our attention. I'll give you that. You see, when I was growing up, my father was a farmer and a pastor in our rural congregation, and uh, my parents would sometimes get invited to weddings, and weddings in those days were around 10 o'clock on Saturday mornings with a uh, reception following at noon, Um, which meant, of course, we kids who were not invited to the wedding uh, needed to eat at home without our parents. Mother would usually work out a simple menu and maybe do a bit of prep, but then it was the responsibility of the one in the house uh, to actually prepare and serve the meal. You say, what's the one in the house? Well, I came from a family of seven boys, no girls, we voted. And the oldest son, who had not yet gone to the barn to help with the chores there, that lucky guy served as mother's main helper in the house until the next boy younger was old enough to become mother's helper. So on that specific day, while mother and dad were at somebody's wedding, Howard was the one in the house. And it was his job to prepare and serve the meal to his older and younger brothers. In warmer weather, we often carried a small table out to our side yard overlooking the creek, supposedly to make it special. Remember, this was 50 years ago before food and cooking had become such a major entertainment in our society. Now, Howard, on that specific day, must have been finding life a bit monotonous. The meal was two, grammatically speaking, The corn was yellow, Howard noted. The macaronis were yellow. And the chicken was yellow-brown. So Howard called us, saying lunch was ready, and we gathered around this little table in the side yard overlooking the creek, and we saw yellow corn, yellow-brown chicken, yellow-brown gravy, and green macaronis. You can believe that before we even had a chance to pray, there was major, a major howl from Howard's brothers. We're not going to eat green macaronis. But Howard wasn't ruffled. I thought the meal looked monotonous, he said, so I added some green food coloring. Now, this was decades before Heinz got the idea of green ketchup. Do you ever find life monotonous? Tedious, really boring, so much that green food coloring wouldn't necessarily fix it? Well, I have a suggestion for you this morning, a very serious suggestion. Over the next week, take time to carefully read one of the Gospels. Read the entire Gospel, beginning to end, not in one sitting, but over a A brief number of days, read it carefully as though it's the first time you're ever reading it. Over the past two weeks, I did that. First, I read the Gospel of Mark, the shortest and the most punchy. A lot of use of the word immediately. Stuff was happening, happening almost faster than people could comprehend it. Suddenly, quickly, immediately, that's Mark, out of breath. I used two disciplines while I did this. I tried to imagine it was the first time I was reading these passages. And secondly, I decided to make a note of anything interesting that Jesus asked or said or did, as well as what others said and did. 
I wrote them down in a line tablet, and it turned out to be dozens of things that I wrote down. For instance, and the large crowd was listening to him with delight. The kingdom of God has come near. He taught them as one having authority. Do you have eyes and fail to see? And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out of him and healed all of them. Those who try to make their life secure will lose it. Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. The whole city was gathered around the door. You will all become deserters. And on and on. I know it's easy to think that the Gospels are boring compared to, say, the Game of Thrones or the Tunnel or the Americans or whatever. But it's not if you give Mark a chance. Not as much sex, probably. But intrigue, yes. Dramatic scenes, yes, over and over. Gripping, more than almost any of today's most touted entertainment. Why has it been so long since I read the whole Gospel of Mark in a few days' time? Not a verse here and a verse there, not a chapter at a time over 16 weeks. Not as a chore, but as a privilege. I don't know if you heard, but this amazing story written in this foreign language is now available in my language, too. Then I read the entire Gospel of Matthew. Again, making note of dozens of things Jesus said and asked and did. It was amazing. And then the Gospel of John with its more spiritualized language. And finally, I read the most literary of the four, the Gospel of Luke. And I ended up with more than a dozen pages of finely written notes, hundreds of quotations and notes from these Gospels. Okay, I can see your attitude has changed. You thought at first I might have something interesting to say, but now you're worried that maybe I'm a fanatic, right? All I'm saying is if you're finding life monotonous, give it a try. Who do you say that I am? Many who are first will be last. And the woman was healed immediately. Search and you will find. The crowd was astounded. Then they tried to arrest him again, and he escaped from their hands. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. My kingdom is not of this world. The hour is coming when those who kill you will think that by doing so, they are offering worship to God. What are you looking for? What do you want? And you know something else amazing? I read all four Gospels. Now, don't walk out. And I never saw the word anabaptism. I never came across the phrase peace theology. Nor did I find the word conservative. 
or the word liberal. I didn't even find the word tweet. I realized that sometimes we're tempted to be so caught up in our little provincial worlds that the Christ of the Gospels can't reach us, can't get our attention, can't heal us, can't rebuke us, and can't reveal the truth to us. Oh, dear, he is a fanatic. I knew it. Doesn't he know that everything sacred has to be demythologized these days, placed in its proper context, deconstructed, reconstructed, stripped down, stripped away, relieved of its mystery and mythology? No rational person, no sophisticated, educated person should be trusted to be alone with the Gospels. People need others to explain that it's not what it says it is. The search for the historical Jesus has negated any relevance of the scriptures in today's world. In other words, unless I can explain something and understand it, it didn't happen. I hear you. But I do beg to differ. I find the Gospels compelling, riveting, and full of energy, holding truth and mystery together in a life-changing way. But that's just me, maybe. Reminds me of my experience with our one-year-old grandson, William. He's been learning to walk, and he's clearly contemplating how to talk. But when we're together, I've been thinking it might be better to, for me to not be in the same room as William is. It's, it's too raw too immediate, too unfiltered. Maybe I should be in a room nearby where I can hear snatches of what's happening but not be overwhelmed by it. And I've been reading books and articles by experts about what's probably going on in William's head as he learns these skills. I'm trying to keep some emotional different, I'm sorry, some emotional distance so I won't be disillusioned later. I'm trying to demythologize the whole mystery of how our daughter and son-in-law were able to make this little boy in the first place and how, without going to school to learn the technicalities of ambulation, or should I say advanced ambulation, how this bouncing little boy is getting a grip on gravity and balance and speed and well, how to stop, how to turn, how to bump his head and accept the consequences every day. Without taking an AP course on navigation or spatial awareness. So William's learning to walk while I'm keeping my distance, realizing that just experiencing the primal joy of his experience is really a bit naive on my part. I need to sort through the layers and questions and doubts I have about what's really happening here. Is William's experience historically true, or will we feel foolish tomorrow for having been taken in today by the wonder of his first steps? Of course, I don't stay in the next room. How could I? It's too exciting. But what's the difference between experiencing William and experiencing the Gospels? That's all I'm saying. Sometimes we have to lay aside our affliction with endless dissection and endless debating and doubting and just open our hearts.
In any case, I set out to find five things that Jesus said that might be worth considering today. I ended up finding hundreds of things that Jesus said and did that really caught my attention. I wrote down more than 300 of them. But don't worry, I've narrowed it down to five for this morning. The first one, why are you afraid? Jesus asks, why are you afraid? Sounds relevant today, doesn't it? After all, today, August 6th, is Hiroshima Day, the day the atomic bomb was dropped on the Japanese city of Hiroshima in 1945. Can you feel the nuclear jitters all around us these days? Two somewhat erratic leaders playing chicken with the threats and missiles half a world apart? Jesus asks, why are you afraid? Maybe it's the health of a child, the worry about finances, a long-running family quarrel, or just wondering in the middle of the night, what has my life amounted to? Why are you afraid? It's a primal question. No need to demythologize that one. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Do you have so little faith? Can any of you, by worry, add a single hour to your life? The second phrase of Jesus I'd like to highlight are the first words he used in his ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Now, please don't be insulted. I'm not suggesting that you personally should repent. It's, I think this one's more for me. Repent means to turn around, bend back, go the other way. Been there, done that, you say. I understand, no pressure. Jesus asks, do you want to be made well? What do you want me to do for you? Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, a seed must die before it grows. The gate is narrow. Repent, turn around, reorient your mind and your heart. I have come as a light into the world. Unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The third saying from Jesus this morning is this. Let your light shine. Walk while you have light so that the darkness will not overtake you. You are the light of the world. A city that's built on a hill cannot be hidden. They got to arguing about which of them was the greatest. Jesus said, Everyone will know that you are my, my disciples if you have love for one another. At that moment, while Peter was still speaking, the cock crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Another time, Jesus said, this poor widow put in more than any of them. Let your light shine. Twenty centuries before modern psychology and circle processes, Jesus said, pay attention to how you listen. 
The fourth words of Jesus I would like to highlight are, come away and rest a while. There are many in this congregation who grow weary in trying to do a lot of good. If Jesus were here today, his concern would be genuine. Come away and rest a while. The Gospels say Jesus would withdraw to deserted places and pray. It says it again and again. He would withdraw to deserted places and pray. The crowds loved him. They they actually trampled each other trying to get close to, to Jesus. They loved him until they turned against him. Huge crowds. First, they try to force him to be their king, and he withdraws to the mountain to get away from it. And then they try to trick him and capture him, and he escapes to the mountain to pray. It's an amazing story. Even one of Jesus' best friends complained, Don't you care that my sister has left me with all the work? John notes that even Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Is it time for you to rest a while? And lastly, the fifth fifth message of Jesus for us today. Go home and tell your neighbors. Tell them what? Many from that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. The blind man said, One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Mary Magdalene went and announced announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Do your neighbors know? Jesus said, The kingdom of God is within you. Let your light shine before others, for I am with you always to the end of the age. Why are you afraid? Repent. Let your light shine. Come away and rest a while. And go home and tell your neighbors. In closing, I leave you with this challenge. Could you find a few hours in the next few weeks to select one of the four Gospels and read it over a fairly concentrated period of time, not as a chore, but as a privilege? Pretend it's all new to you and make a few notes of the words and actions that stand out to you. I promise you, it won't be monotonous. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, grains of wheat, before they grow, are buried in the earth below. All that is old doth perish there to form a life both new and fair. So too are we from self and sin made free. Amen.